Faith is attempting to obey God, expecting him to fulfill your attempt with his power. What that means is you take a step and expect him to do the work. Welcome back to this episode of the Upstream Life Podcast. Every once in a while, we are hoping to have different guests on as case studies for what it looks like to live an upstream life. This week, we are joined by Jedediah Haas, who describes himself as a discipleship evangelist. He is passionate about resourcing and equipping disciple makers. He has been a pastor for 18 years and is excited to see followers of Jesus get clarity, confidence, and courage that they need to resource and equip disciple makers in their home and circle of influence. We think this conversation speaks a lot to that, and we hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, welcome everybody back to the Upstream Life podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here today. We are joined today with another amazing guest, um, and I will uh, just swing it over to him to introduce himself to you guys. And um, yeah. Hey, good to be with you, Ben. Thanks for having me on. A joy to be here. So I, uh, yeah, married 19 years, have two kids, 14 and 13, ninth grade and seventh grade, having a blast in junior high and parenting junior high kids. It's each season brings its own, you know, different things to, to work through, but also just tons of joy, you know, along the way. So what a gift. Uh, we have two dogs, one big, one little. One boy, one girl, same as my kids. So they they each got a dog for sleeping, and so we're having fun with that. But yeah, we uh, we're just enjoying life. I'm a pastor at a local church. I, I I'm the pastor of Care Ministries, and so loving that. I also lead Playfast Global, which is a disciple making organization that comes alongside of local churches to help church leaders multiply disciple makers in their home, their church, and their community. We like to say a home and circle of influence kind of gets the whole thing. And so we just, we want to add fuel to the disciple making movement that Jesus started. He, he, he started it, he commanded it and we get to obey him. Like it's not a have to, it's a get to, we, we get to get into this thing and we get to enjoy the ride. And so we just love to come alongside of pastors especially today who need uh, a cohort, uh, a huddle, uh, a group of pastors, a like-hearted pastors that, that can become a band of brothers that encourage one another and can motivate one another, can resource one another. And so at Playthos, we provide resources, we provide huddles and equipping, and we provide uh, speakers to go and just support. We want to come alongside the local church. I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, sharing everything about your family and your, your job and all that you're doing. Um, I'm really excited to talk about Plathos and talk about its role in the church as a broader sense and uh, what you guys kind of have emphasized on, as you kind of alluded to, which is discipleship. So maybe uh, could you give us a little bit more information? What made you really want to start this? Why discipleship specifically? And yeah. Yeah. So I started out, well, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid, you know, so, uh, you know, struggled with like my identity, you know, in the church outside in the community and, and just, just, I think we all do when we're growing up, you know, who am I and who is God and what's my purpose in the world. And at 19, uh, God really just clarified a lot of that for me. He met me right where I was at. 
and his overwhelming love, his grace, his mercy that I didn't deserve at all. Uh, just, just called me and clarified. It was like, Jed, you're mine. You're my beloved. You're my child. And I want you, I see you. I love you. you that transforms you, you know? Uh, so I, I went all in just gave my life to Jesus. And at that point at 19, never looked back. Now as a pastor's kid, you know, I gave my life to Jesus at seven and at 16 and, you know, probably a lot of other times, but it was kind of that, that I say plant a flag in, you know, and that was a, that's a flag that I go back to. And I go, you know, I remember what he did in my life and it just got excited about helping others, uh, meet, know, and follow Jesus. And I really just had a passion for the next generation. I mean, I was the next generation, right? 19. And so, so I, just, I was like, I'm going all in. I want to be a youth pastor. And so I went to Bible college, uh, got my degree in youth and family ministry, jumped into youth ministry, had some great mentors. I interned, I landed my first youth pastorate and just was all about helping people know Jesus. I just wanted people to know how loved they are. Right? I wanted people to know that God sees them. He wants them. He invites them. He's crazy about them. No matter who they think they are, no matter who they, uh, you know, whatever, you know, think God is, uh, he is so for them and loves them and calls them into this relationship. And so I was just all about that. So, so that's where my emphasis was in church world. We call that evangelism right? Going out and proclaiming this good news that Jesus is so good and that he paid the ultimate price for you so that you could have a relationship so that you could be forgiven and have eternal life. And my, my eyes were so focused on that. But then as I got into ministry, you know, I, I was so passionate about that, but then I noticed as I started to pastor that they needed to get rooted and grounded in the word. Right. So I would lead them to Jesus and then be like moving on, you know, and it just like a classic evangelist. And, and I realized, no, 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 it's so important to get them rooted and grounded in their relationship with Jesus, to have a correct view of who God is. And as I fought for their soul and God had called me into pastoring and shepherding, that's where it started to cultivate a desire to go, oh, oh, I got I, I need a disciple. And, uh, you know, to, to get them in rooted and grounded, it's not just a meet. No, it's a follow Jesus faithfully over a lifetime. And so that's where I married that up of evangelism and discipleship. And then I was introduced to this beautiful word called disciple making that's been around a long time. <laughs> and, and then it put the dots together for me because it was like, oh, wait. I get to do evangelism and I get to do discipleship and it's called disciple making. <laughs> it's the whole process of learning how to walk with Jesus. And, and so that's kind of what got me into it. And then also what I noticed in generations was there's kind of two forms. There's, there's following Jesus generationally, the, the father and mother passing the faith on to their kids and their kids passing the faith on to their kids and, and to their kids. And we see that multiple places like Deuteronomy six and Psalm 78. And we see that in, in second Timothy two. And, and, and so you see this multiplication, this generational 
thing. And, and that got me too, because I noticed in the youth ministry, when I, when I went after the, the student, which is great, right. And, and showed them the love of Jesus. If I didn't connect that into the family, there was a disconnect. And a lot of those students walked away from Jesus. And so that kind of shifted for me of going, no, I need to reach the parent. And the parent is called to disciple their children. And I need to come alongside of them. And so it's more holistic than that. And this term kind of caught that my dad passed on to me, hence, you know, the generational, it's called build the home. And my dad said it, I go, that's, that's what we need in this generation. We need to focus on building the home. The place where evangelism and discipleship starts is in the home. And then, and then the church also, right, comes alongside and the church is a family. So what's the church's job? Build the home, right? And, and that's kind of where that birthed out of me. And now it's just broadened to go, hey, how can we, how can we come alongside and teach people to have the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to actually go and do what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And here's nine words, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. And, and so I was passionate about that. Let's meet, introduce them to Jesus baptism. I'm good old Baptist background. And then, and then, and then, and then what about teach them to obey everything I've commanded you? So it's Jesus spent three years with his disciples and probably longer, right? Uh, you know, as he, as he uh, called them and, and, and uh, just did life. I mean, Jesus started his ministry at 30. So think about it. He had 30 years of knowing people. Fam, family ties, connections, right? You know what I mean? And, and so, so Jesus spent his whole life toward this end and he invested in 12. Now he invested in others, right? They came along as well, but a handful or, or a smaller group. And, and so that's what got me into going, hey, maybe, maybe size does matter. Like the fam, family unit is like a, like a handful, right? Or, or small groups is like a handful. And that's, that's kind of what got me into just loving um, that relational approach to, to disciple making. So good. Yeah. I, I often think that Jesus did for the 12, what he wished he could do for all. And mm. you know, that's his strategy is it's exponential growth. When you think about discipleship, because if you're discipling three people and they're discipling three people, that just is going to grow at an exponential rate versus one evangelist, you know, trying to preach to all these people. And oftentimes there can be shallow growth in, in cases like that. So yeah, learning from the person of Jesus, of he's the master of discipleship. So, so what can we take from him? So I would love to, to flesh that out a little bit more. What would you say would be the key foundations um, to being discipled by Jesus and following him? Yeah. Yeah. I think for us, I'm a, you know, try to take, it's very complex and very yeah. nuanced. And sure. we like, we like to say the best way to make disciples is the one that you do. Mm. <laughs> right. So, so some followers, maybe who are listening even right now, who want to live this upstream life, right. And go all in, uh, the, they're, 
they, you've been following Jesus for 20 years, but maybe you lack that clarity of confidence and courage to, to activate, to go and do it. And what, what are you talking about, Jed? And, and that's where I just want to say, Hey, you have, uh, you have enough knowledge now go, now go and do it. So we put it in this framework, uh, l- learn it, live it and pass it on. And that comes from an old Testament passage out of Ezra seven ten. Ezra was one who was devoted to the law of the Lord. It says, it says he, he obeyed it. And then he taught it to all of Israel. And so we're like, Hey, be an Ezra, uh, learn, be a person who learns the word and craves it and loves it. Be a person who wants to live it out with gospel power. We know we can't do it on our own power. It's all God. It's, it's by the power of the gospel. It's a gospel fluent life is, is a word that really resonates with me. And, and, and so, so the learn it is the what to do. The gospel is the how to do it. And then, and then we want to pass it on. And that's, and then in order to pass it on though, we have to understand the why, why is this so important? We have to have, wow, a a picture for what you just said. Why is exponential? Why is disciple making so important? Well, eternity is at stake for generations. And we need to be reminded of that because we get lost. Like I had a pastor describe it to me like this. He said, Jed, this, this is why I need playthos. This is why I need people who are passionate about disciple making in my life. He said, the pastorate or anything, life can be like this. It gets in front of your face, right? I'm putting my hands up in front of my face. And, and, and then, and then you, you pull, you need somebody or, you know, a group or whatever to pull your hands down for an hour a week or whatever it takes, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you can see beyond that and go, oh yeah, that's the vision. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the why. And so, so that's why we say, learn it, live it and pass it on. That's so good. Yeah. I love that framework. I think you hit it, hit on so many good things there. Um, and yeah, so grateful for that. And I'll mention at the end, but all of these resources and things are able to be found on Playthos. And so we'll link that in the description to, if you're interested in just learning more about the vision and, um, what the organization's all about. So, um, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but I wanted to just ask you a little bit more, um, what would you say when you look at our current cultural moment? Um, why is discipleship to Jesus so critical right now in our modern context? You know, we're reading a book uh, that's quite a few years old. And so oftentimes people are like, well, why does it matter today? You know, like how, how does that look today? How do we like practically live that out? So what would you say specifically to our current cultural moment? Why is discipleship to Jesus so critical? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, when Jesus came on the scene, it was bad. Like we, you know, us Christians here, we're like, it's bad. The world's ending. You know what I mean? And it's true. We're in the end times. Yeah. Yes. 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 Evil is present. Yes. Sin is rampant. Yes. The family is in shambles around us in our country and in other countries. Uh, it's just true. Right. It was then too. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus came on the scene with the greatest model, the greatest hope, the greatest example. You know, I mean, he came on the scene in the midst of this and, and gave us radical hope. He gave us 
eternal life, forgiveness of sin. I mean, this is incredible what Jesus did for us. So when we, when we remember that, we go, yes, just like then, we need to obey what Jesus has already told us. It, the Bible is just as relevant today as it was then. And imagine if we all put it into practice, not with our own strength and muscle and power, right? But with his. And I think of uh, Colossians 129. Uh, Paul is saying this in there. He, he, he's clarifying his call. And I think this is the call for all of us who are called followers of Jesus. Because all of us were given this great commission of Jesus. We already quoted, go make disciples of all nations. Jesus's last words before he ascended, you know, uh, and, and so all of us are called to this. He says, he, Paul, Paul is saying, hey, it, it is my, you know, I, I, my calling. I want to give everything to help you become mature and strengthened and, and, and to get into the word. And then he, he says, I'm going to do this with all the strength that God has given me. And so we, we go back to him for the strength to be able to obey what he said, but he, he laid it out so clearly for us. The problem is we get caught up in the stuff of this world, just like everybody else. And that's why we need people who are going to champion this stuff. And so Bill, Bill Hall he is like known for discipleship, like, you know, and disciple making particularly. And he calls himself a discipleship evangelist. Hmm. <laughs> and he puts out those two words together that. again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we need that. We need yeah. people who are calling back in the midst of this with a lot of grace and mercy and kindness and the, and the fruits of the spirit to say, Hey, Hey, we need to come alongside of people. And we need to build the home. We need to recall people back to that calling that is so important. And all of us are called to be disciple makers if we yeah. have a relationship with Jesus. No matter what your personality, no matter what your gift mix, God promises he's with you and he will help you do it. Hmm. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, I think about Paul when another line of his imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, it's like this understanding of you're following me because I'm obeying Christ. And so the areas in which I'm obeying him, you know, imitate me as well. Um, another thing that came to mind, I, I heard a pastor recently say, uh, God spoke to him and was just saying, you must purge yourself of the idols of Brooklyn. His context was in Brooklyn, New York. You must purge yourself of the idols of Brooklyn so you can minister to the people of Brooklyn. And so mm. it's just this idea of truly like setting yourself apart. And, and when the culture's going this way, you're going this way in the, in the uh, direction of Jesus. So I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so specifically in your organization, you have what's called pastor huddles. Um, I would love for you to describe those and maybe just explain why you've found them to be so effective. Yeah. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, we all need a band of brothers or a band of sisters. We all, we're all better together. And that's really the idea is, Hey, pastor leader, uh, we want to come alongside of you and provide uh, a band of brothers who can get together once a week. I know I need it. And this is how I discovered it. I need it. 
right? And and so uh, I've been living into this group idea for a long time. It's basically small groups for pastors. <laughs> and we pray for each other daily. We we hold each other accountable. We uh, encourage each other, strengthen each other. It, it's an environment of coaching. So I, there, it's led by a coach. And so it's more of a discussion-based. Uh, we do have some equipping. So we do introduce you to different tools. Like we have, we have three books that we, uh, tools we use in that huddle, but we also have other content as well. And we, we encourage each pastor to contribute. And so we're just better together. And that's the idea behind the huddle is that weekly connect. And the cool part about technology is you can do it now really easy. Like you just jump on zoom one hour, once a week and you're good and, and it's doable and you can learn from people all over the country, which is Mm -hmm. another cool, cool part about it. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. I think for any pastor listening, that is such a useful and helpful thing. You know, you see so many pastors reach a point where they're just pouring into everyone and they don't really have anyone around them. And yeah, that's been something that's been heavy on my heart of just being like, man, that's not, that's not how it should be. You know, there, we need to be surrounded by, by people that can pour into us, encourage us. And, uh, yeah, so I love that. I think that's really awesome, really effective. All right. So, uh, switching gears here, Jed, I wanted to ask you, what would you say are some of the big practices that we are missing in the modern Western church that you find in the life of Jesus? Oh, great question. You know, just first of all, I want to say that there's a lot of different ways that you get to uh, carry out the work that Jesus has called us to do. And that's a beautiful thing. There's a lot of different philosophies on how to get it done. There's a lot of different methodologies on how to get it done. There's a lot of different streams out there of how God's working in people's lives to draw them to him and to lead them into full devotion to him and to be a disciple maker in their home and circle of influence. So there's, there's a lot of different approaches Uh, to answer your question specifically. I think uh, one of the main things missing, and this is just me (laughs) is, is an intentional focus on, and I think it's size matters, um, an intentional focus on, this is why we do what we do, gender specific, (laughs) small groups that equip men and women to be disciple makers in their home, particularly first, disciple first people in their home. And, and, and I think that space, in my opinion, and that's a method. I understand that. It, that space is so helpful. And the reason why I champion that so much is I, I think it's transforming because men need a band of brothers. Women need some sisters coming alongside of them. Now, this can happen in a small group context. A lot of small groups are co-ed and about 12 to 15 some larger and 20 size. Right. And that's awesome. And then they break down into these intentional groups, right? Men meet with men, women with women. And so there's, there's all different ways to get it done. I'm not 
telling you a specific method. But I think what's missing is an intentional focus on equipping men and women to have that confidence to take action in discipling their children that they've been entrusted to. And, and that can look a lot of different ways, but I think build the home is my, uh, <laughs> is it, and it, I think there's a lot of good things happening around that. I see a lot of move, movement in the church around that. And that's really neat. And then also I would, I would add just, I think the church does a good job of Matthew 28, 19 and 20 go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. There's there's a lot of gr- churches killing it, doing a great job, uh, sending missionaries, being missionaries to their community, doing that great work as a local body, using the different gifts of grace that people have. But I think there needs to be, the pendulum needs to swing it back a little bit and needs to have a little bit more emphasis on personal responsibility of that commission of that great commission that Jesus gave us where we're almost like a, like an encouragement uh, or a, or a prophetic voice could speak into it or, or a, or an inspiring voice could speak into it to say, Hey, 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 like, I know you don't feel adequate. I, I know you're overwhelmed with life. I can help you. I can help you learn how Jesus did this. I can help you learn how he, how he taught his disciples to do this. I can help you learn how to have the confidence to going back to learn it, learn the word, live it out and pass it on in natural rhythms of life, which the most natural is the home life. And so that's my passion. Um, But I think it goes broader than that. Once, once you have confidence discipling your kids, guess what? You're going to have confidence discipling another man or woman, aren't you? Yeah, that's really good. Man, I I think you hit on a few good things there that I, I want to ask you a little bit of follow-up. So you started specifically by saying, and this was your methodology, and we love hearing different people's perspectives. That's the whole heart of this is to to hear different methodologies, methodologies and, and to learn from each other. And so um, I wanted to specifically ask you, um, what fruit do you think comes out of discipleship groups that are gender-specific? Um, what, what can you do in those contexts that you might not be able to do in a mixed group of people? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, one, you got, you got, uh, the conversation, you, you can be more intimate. Yeah. You're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna share things, you know, with, with, or you shouldn't outside of your wife <laughs> with, with, uh, other ladies that you can share with other men, you know, and same for, same for ladies. They need, they need to be able to have conversations with girlfriends and, and sisters, I like to say, you know, and, and so they need that. So I think number one, that's why gender specific is so important. Now I do think like, that's why I love the larger environment, the small group, you know, the co-ed, because I've learned a ton from women, especially my wife, but a ton from other women and mentors. I actually have a, a female coach right now in my life that I pay every month to coach me. I think it's really important to learn from other people outside of our gender and outside of our race and outside of our age demographic and socioeconomic, you know, I am for all that cross pollination, but I I think there's something special. And then I think size matters, you know, even like I say, 
I say the max is seven people. I say two to seven for a, for a huddle or a D group or whatever you end up calling it. A, um, some people like to say it's three and call it a triad. Some people go like to, there's another guy who calls theirs core four, you know, and now, now it's four, right? I like, I like to leave room for two to seven because some people just need one-on-one. Um, but also some people, when they're in a group of seven, they're not going to talk and they do, they do need the three, right. Or they do need the one-on-one. And so I like to give space. Um, but also I noticed if you get larger than eight in gender specific, you, you can't get done what you want to get done. You can't have true accountability. You can't have a, a vulnerable and authentic, you know, environment that's safe. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you can't hold, do high accountability in those kind mm. of environments. Hmm. I love that. Um, I think that, so then the other thing I was, I was going to ask you more about was specifically at the end, you had talked about just giving people a personal responsibility of, um, you know, discipleship and disciple making. Um, and I think the, the difference maker in that is going to be the people that are equipped, um, really modeling that well, you know, I think a lot of times people might be looking for someone to mentor them or, you know, you want like a, a Yoda in your life to, (laughs) to guide you and lead you. But I've found oftentimes, you know, when you model something, you find that usually it comes back to you in return in certain ways. And so I think, um, by us modeling where we're at and what we can offer, uh, is going to create more of a culture in the church of giving personal responsibility to each people, whatever stage of faith they're in, you know what I mean? And, and I think specifically in the, um, small intimate group setting, that's where the most growth can happen. So I love, I love, uh, what you're about and I think you're, you're right on with it. So can I add um, I, to that too? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So just to add to that, right. Um, the larger the size group, the harder it is to reproduce because mm. the greater responsibility and the greater, you know, skill set of leading and et cetera needs to take yeah. place and administrative yeah. skills. <laughs> yeah. And so the smaller, the more organic, the better, right. Cause it takes less of that, but so you can multiply it out. But I like what you said in terms of the modeling. And it made me think of, um, this, I learned, I learned this, uh, from another organization that's been around for a while. Uh, Mike Breen, he uses this, this triangle and at the top of the triangle, he says it's information. So we want to keep all of our information, the word of God or books of books that are legit, you know, that, that, uh, that really accentuate the word of God or whatever that looks like tools. So the information is the word The then you go down the triangle to the, the bottom, right. And you would, you would have imitation. And that's what you said. Like the people need a model and they need to see that you don't have to be a guru. I mean, my dad, my dad, right. He is a guru. And so a lot of people were like, I can't do this. I'm going to bring them to you. And he started saying to people, no, I trained you. Like you've been with me like five years. Like you go do it. Well, I'm not Ray Haas. Well, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I've already given you an example and that's the next eye on the, on the bottom left is innovation. And people need to be able to disciple the way that they're uh, disciple people, the way that they're wired. They're not Ray Haas. They get to be 
you know, Ben or Jed or Bill or Bob. <laughs> and they, and then, and then that's the cool part when you break through and you go, no, 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 you're a child of God. You are called and appointed and equipped and empowered and sent by Jesus, <laughs> the King of the universe. I mean, do you understand his power? Like, then people go, oh yeah, I can give it a try. You know, mm, I can obey so Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, all right. I have one more question for you. I found this on your website and I just thought it was so helpful. Um, you have this great framework on there that says basically how we change from our current reality uh, to our preferred future. Could you uh, explain that a little bit to us? Yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's a natural uh, Andy Stanley is a, he wrote this little book called visioneering hmm. and um, this natural for any, any growth. Right. So um, you need to start with the end in mind and that's the preferred future. Who, who do you want to be and what do you want to do? Right. So, so we take that framework from Jesus and the, you know, Jesus wrote, you know, inspired word of God. So not just the red letters are Jesus, just by the way, uh, <laughs> the whole Bible. So, so we want to take it from there. And so what, you know, we narrowed it down to six statements. We are statements, we called them, you know, but everybody gets to define that. What, what does an all in follower of Jesus, who is that? Who, what's that, you know, who are we being and what are we doing? And so we, we define it that way as that's our preferred future. So each church gets to craft their own and whatever that looks like, you know, we, we give an example and then, and then the current reality is a natural thing. You got to know where you're at. Like you're in a mall and you, you look, go, you know, old school, you look at, you know, those little mall maps and you figure out you are here and you need to get to this store over here. I know malls are going away, but that that's that's the idea of you are here and here's where you want to go. And then we call the middle part, you know, how you get from here to there. You know, we call that filling the gap. And and we just that's called growth, achievement, progress. And those are just what are the tools, what's the process, what what's the approach to get you from here to there. And it's not a straight line, is it? It's, it's, it's usually up and down and all around and, and it's a process, but we just, that's where the, the, we call it a coach, but, but you can call it whatever you want. That's where the disciple or the mentee or whatever helps you get there or, or the group, really the band of mm. brothers or the band of sisters, right. Helps yeah. you get to your preferred future and to continue faithfully living in that, right? Mm. Life happens. We know that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think the, the place you started with understanding the vision and, and knowing the preferred future is so huge because a lot of times we're just wandering around through life, not really sure what our purpose is, what our vision for our future is. And so I think really knowing that and reminding yourself continually of that is the first step to, to really go down that journey. Um, I love it so much. Uh, I would, I would just love if you would give us any word of encouragement, anything to leave the listeners with, um, as they, you know, hear this conversation, maybe they're inspired, maybe the spirits leading them and saying, Hey, I want to, you know, really 
take this serious. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to make disciples. Um, what would be just one quick word of encouragement we could be left with? Yeah. Yeah. So at Playthos, we, we have these values and the first value is imperfect action. Hmm. <laughs> and you might go, wait, I don't know. Wrestle with that statement a little bit. What, what we're saying is, Hey, Oh, just obey Jesus. Hmm. Be willing to try and fail. Be hmm. willing to put yourself out there. Take, you know, another phrase would be love initiates. Hmm. So initiate, uh, yeah. you know, you think, you think of uh, homeschool family, for example, you know, you go, I could never homeschool. And you go, well, if you would talk to them, they're just trying to stay one day ahead of their kid. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, totally. that's about what, that's about what parenting is just trying yeah. to stay one day ahead of your kid. And, <laughs> and I think that's disciple making too. A lot of that, you know, the verbiage that's used is family, you know? Mm. And, and so when we're discipling somebody or, or walking alongside them to lead them to Christ, like our goal, our goal in that is simply to take imperfect action. We know we're not going to do it perfect, mm. but we got to trust that God's got us. Yeah. And that obeying him, his promises are true. Mm, and so, so yeah. So faith, we would say this, uh, uh, faith is attempting to obey God, expecting him to fulfill your attempt with his power. What that means is you take a step and expect him to do the work. Mm. And, uh, that's what wow. I want to leave you with. Just, just go and, and build the home. Right. So good. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so encouraged by this conversation. And I think, Others will be too. Uh, where can people find you online and everything you're up to? Yeah, you can go to playthosglobal.com. So okay. P-L-E-T-H-O-S global.com and a bunch of free resources on there. And uh, you can reach out to me as well awesome. and would love to connect. If you're a pastor, we're offering a free 45-minute uh, consult. So you can just sign up for that. And uh, mm. yeah. That's so good. We'll leave that all in the show notes. I'm so grateful for the conversation. Thankful that you were here today, Jed, and just God bless you and just keep on doing what you're doing. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you, Ben. And thanks for Upstream and love, love Mm -hmm. Upstream. I would say everybody needs to go support what Upstream is doing. Mm -hmm. We're on board and uh, I think the world of what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.